Welcome to the Possibility Podcast with me, your host, Sarah Knight. This is session eight, talking global transformation from the inside out with international healer and cellular transformation teacher, Jennifer Miller. This interview represents a change in course for me. I have to confess that the previous seven interviews that I did were all edited to some extent. I cut out my silly questions, the awkward answers, the ums and the pauses to try to make it flow more smoothly. But I realized in doing this interview that what I did with all of the previous interviews was cut out some of the realness. I cut out some of the heart, some of the truth, some of the vulnerability, some of the energy. And so I'm not doing that anymore. I didn't do that with this interview and you will see why. And I encourage you to listen right through to the beautiful, open, truthful, vulnerable end. Hello and welcome to another session of the Possibility Podcast. Today I have the great pleasure of talking to one of my very, very dear friends, uh, longtime teachers, Jennifer Miller. Jennifer does work called Cellular Transformation, and I've been working alongside and learning from Jennifer for 15 years. Uh, Her work has been absolutely fundamental to my own healing journey, and I am delighted to have Jennifer joining me here today. So welcome, Jennifer. Thank you, Sarah. It's a pleasure to be here. So, look, I know that we could spend this whole time uh, talking about cellular transformation. We could spend days talking about cellular transformation and the work that you do and the nature of that work, but that's not what we're here for. Um, But can you tell me, for people that are unfamiliar to the work, just a little bit about what it is and what you do? Certainly. Um, A way to synopsize it might be to say that it's a deep psychological and emotional process of inquiry that is combined with a very potent spiritual level of transformation that does result in in core transformation and fundamental shifts. Wow, very well put, actually, (laughs) to bring something as massive as that down to those three sentences. I have been practicing for a very long time to try to take something so big and put it into one sentence. That's really great. So look, one of the reasons why I really, when I planned this podcast and I thought, okay, who do I want to talk to? And your name was at the top of the list is, well, for a few reasons. One, um, that you have traveled all over the world with this work, that you are well tuned into the energies of different people as they sit in different areas of our global landscape. And you seem to be able to hold a pretty big perspective on not just what's going on with people on an individual level, but some of the bigger pieces of energy that are coming through too, as a result of, of where people were brought up, um, what their ancestors lived through, what they experience in the place that they live. Um, And also, of course, because of the nature of the work, cellular transformation, it's all about transforming our our cells on the inside so that we can live more joyous and effective existences in our physical reality. So that's really where I want to start today. Um, You know, our our world is in kind of a mess. Uh, Today, uh, the 24th of May, there are students all over the world um, protesting another Fridays for Future marches. They're, They're thinking that it's going to be some of the biggest protests yet to date. 
I mean, every day new stuff in the news about what's happening even worse than, than, than what scientists had predicted. Our world really seems to be in a terrible state. And if, you know, what spiritual leaders and mystics and scientists say that our physical reality comes from our energy, our inner world, if we shape the world around us, you know, what's happening kind of speaks to, to maybe a bit of a mess on the inside. So could you share your thoughts and your perspectives on that? Sure, I'll give it a try. Well, with regards looking at our external environment or our world, it's been a reflection of something on the inside and especially what's happening with the crisis, you know, the global crisis, then what I see and from the perspective that I work at, I see a lot of denial, avoidance, um, suppression of feeling, first and foremost, disconnection. And I, there's no question that these are feelings that we all individually experience in our lives. I mean, this is fundamentally what I'm working with in people. And cellular transformation, yes, I'm focusing a lot on epigenetic inheritance and karma and trauma that's passed along through the generations. But if we zoom back a bit and look at it from the bigger, more collective unconscious level, we are struggling to contend with these very heavy duty forces that we wear on the inside. And also we're coming consistently like a barrage from the outside. And let's say you could summarize that as ego, right? The collective ego or individual ego. But if we don't have the means or understanding that we're walking around carrying a ton of unresolved baggage or history's hangover, as I like to call it, partnered with then the stressors that are coming from our present environment, our, our now, every, everything that we're experiencing, the high pressure from social media, staying connected to that, you know, our cultural, religious, and political and familial influences that just keep splitting us ultimately to strive and perform and compete and compare and as awesome as social media may be for connection and spreading the word and having influence and people getting power in corners of the globe that never had any power aside from all of that it's also driving the competitive ego too so in one hand it could be potentially very helpful for this new wave of intelligence or connection or feeling that's rising in all of us, especially our children, to, to use these mediums and outlets and vehicles in order to, to, in my opinion, ultimately, if I just get to the bottom line, to learn how to reconnect to vulnerability and feeling and to learn a whole sequence of new ways of relating to one another that support taking ownership rather than projecting and transferring our stuff onto the world around us. Learning how to be vulnerable means that we got to let down barriers and shields of protection and defense mechanisms that we still carry with our mom and dad, that we still wear with our siblings, that we wear on the inside, that we're carrying around with our bosses our partners, you know, our loved ones that we're married to, we still project and dump a lot onto our children. So, you know, we have work to do to really 
look inside that cauldron of what's causing us to do all these things that keep reinforcing disconnection. And yes, we got to take care of the wider environment. And there's so many people far better than I am that understand, you know, how the science of this global crisis is unfolding, like yourself, as one of many examples. But my work and my area that I see needs immediate attention is we need to learn how to feel again. We've got to learn how to feel again. And we're, we're not taught in schools how to feel. We're not taught how to feel in a conscious, healthy manner. We are encouraged to disconnect from feeling. Yeah. Wow. Jennifer, so just to, to go back and tease apart a little bit more and to make sure that I understand what you said, you started off with, you see a lot of denial and suppression. And I mean, clearly that's, you know, in terms of this crisis, that's exactly what a lot of our um, political leaders here in in Canada and Ontario and certainly in the States. And um, I mean, not even our political leaders, a lot of our friends, a lot of people in the community, that's a lot of the response um, that I'm seeing on social media is people wanting to shut this down and say, this isn't happening and this is all fear mongering. And, and if I understand what you're saying, that denial and suppression that you're seeing in the outer world is a reflection of the denial and suppression and what we've, of what we've accumulated on the inside that we're not dealing with and how disconnected we are from that and, and how we don't even know, I think where you finished there was we actually don't even know how to begin to feel that stuff. You mentioned yes. the word vulnerability. Can you can you talk about that a little bit more? That feels like the the, the opening. <laughs> yes. And actually just to lead into that, think of it this way. When I first heard a few weeks ago, I was driving in the car with my girls and heard the UN report on BBC World News about the 1 million species that are due to become extinct within the next decades. Um I finally dropped down into a place of feeling in myself that even I, someone who is very supportive of reconnecting and healing this planet, I was made very conscious and aware of a massive layer of separation and indifference and disconnection that was inside of me. So I started looking at with my daughter and and stepdaughter, well, girls, what is this? Why? Why are we dealing with this? And I went down the rabbit hole inside myself at the feeling level. And I realized, well, okay, I'm busy surviving. You know, I'm just got through a divorce. I'm, you know, buying a house. I've got two girls. I'm, I'm busy surviving. So I'm a lot of my energy is consumed with my immediate environment and building my career. And then the competitive race that we're all thrown into the rat race that is very much amplified and exaggerated through social media channels now to keep building my business and building my career. And because if I don't, then I'm a failure and, you know, dare I be a failure at 50 and I haven't reached this climax that the world's telling me I have to get to. And we're all in that. And our population, the global population has doubled since 1970. You know, the, economic, the global economy has tenfolded in that same time. So, you know, this is a massive drive, a massive competitive drive for resources, food, energy, and also power at the ego level. It's looking for power. Now, power 
you know, in any of the scriptures and mystical teachings of the world, you know, they all point back down to, you know, pursuing power that's not rooted in nature or spirit, if you want, want to go that way, is a disconnection from reality. And it's a disconnection from vulnerability. You can't have power and overrule and take power from other people on a competitive level whilst also being humble and vulnerable and sensitive at the same time. They don't go hand in hand. We can also break that apart and look at it through the perspective or lens of the patriarch versus the feminine. You know, there's a lot of, a lot of people use the language, the divine masculine or divine feminine or the patriarch or the matriarch and, or the mind, the, the, the mind intellectual based approach to running our systems and running our lives and running the way we feel and think versus a feeling based approach. Now, my experience of traveling the world and working with many different cultures is that I see a direct reflection in the suppression and judgment of vulnerability and feeling as mirrored in the suppression and judgment of females. Because for whatever reason, females or those with strong feminine energy, it doesn't matter what type of body we're in, we, that feminine energy is pointing to or representing a more connected intuitive way of being and feeling. And the other is a severance from that. And I, the bottom line of why we're ending up the way we are is because of a severance to feeling. So I keep coming back to the same point, which ultimately is a disconnection from vulnerability. So learning how to reconnect to vulnerability, how are we ever going to get down there to levels of sensitivity if we're still walking around carrying the memory of when our father beat the shit out of us when we were two, or we were raped by our uncle when we were seven for five years, which is what I deal with all the time in my work. You know, we're walking around with so much tragedy buried inside of us that how can we find it within us to feel safe enough to come out and be vulnerable, which means we're going to, it's going to enhance our capacity to be sensitive and therefore feel and have the time to feel what's going on around us rather than being headless chickens constantly trying to just keep up with world mind and the pressure that that puts on us wow jennifer I, you know you started off with the story about being in the car and hearing the the news report about all of those species going extinct extinct and feeling the 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 the, the, the trauma the grief come up right alongside the the split and the part that seemed to that seemed to not care and you know where you ended there is that that it's this it's this caring piece that we really need to step back into and not feeling our feelings not being able to be vulnerable is exactly what's in the way and you know i think you're absolutely spot on with that it's something that i've always felt in in observing how I engage with the world and how other people engage with the world, if we actually cared, actually felt our intimate relationship with each other and with the earth and with all of the creatures on it, if we actually cared about those things in the same way that we managed to care about our pets and our kids and our, you know, probably not ourselves actually most days, um, but in the same way that we managed to care about those people and those those creatures in our immediate environment, we wouldn't be in this mess that we're in. 
But you, you know, right in there is, well, the overwhelm of caring. We're so overwhelmed. There's, there's too much to care about. We're connected all the time to social media. And so this how piece is right now kind of the elephant in the room for me. Yes. Okay. So you've identified, and I fully agree with you, this, this, this image that you've created of this key component of learning how to be vulnerable again. But at the same time, talking about the total overwhelm of the world, the bombardment by social media, everything that we're expected to be doing in our lives, and more and more often what we're expected to carry as women, which is not only so much of this emotional work, but so much of the practical stuff too. So how is the big question that comes in next? That is a really good question. And there's another piece that's coming up as you're speaking, which is, believe it or not, a feeling of anger or power. And another part that came up for me in the car with my girls was that feeling of anger. And I had not felt that. It's almost as if indifference's other side of it, the other side of indifference's coin is that anger. And I wouldn't even necessarily call it anger because we have so many negative connotations of that word or emotion, but more just force, life force. And I when, when you look at a personal level, another thing that I really encourage people and teach people to do is to step into their power, is to learn how to be empowered in their lives. And if we don't have the tools and know-how to confront projection when it comes at us, to confront um, control and abuse when it comes at us, how to take action and learn how to give that back, then we're shutting something down in ourselves all the time. We're consistently shutting down that realm of feeling inside and we have to protect ourselves, which is why we go reach for the wine in the evening or the beer or the medication. So if in terms of how do I make a difference, how do we make a difference, you know, bringing it right down to that microcosmic level somehow we need to learn the way to back ourselves up in our lives and, and not be afraid to step up and make a difference, especially as women, because there is a complacency that is in the mindset that doesn't allow us to express those feelings in the workplace, for example, like Brene Brown, you know, daring to lead her recent book is brilliant in the sense that what I see her doing is she's bringing through very feminine based, feeling based, vulnerability based principles, but in more of a male dominated environment. And it's finally being heard. So there's like a bridge between we need to learn how to step up and say no to the traditional ways of leading and the traditional ways of controlling and, and say no to that and in a manner that creates more cohesiveness and connection. Okay, I feel like, I feel like I've just had a huge personal epiphany on what you have just shared there because you, 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 you know, you answered a question I didn't know that I had. My question 
and actually you also answered the question that I did have. My question was like, how do we learn how to be vulnerable again? And, 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 and where you went to was about, was about empowering ourselves and learning how to feel our feelings and express our feelings. And what, where that looped me right back around to was my question was, okay, so like, I'm, I'm totally overwhelmed. There's all this stuff coming at me all the time. And like, how the heck am I supposed to find time to, to feel my feelings, let alone express them? And, and what you have just pointed me to is personal power. First of all, I don't have to feel overwhelmed by everything that's coming at me because I don't have to let it all in. It's not even though I may be very good at doing lots and transforming lots and and bringing a lot into the world, I don't have to do all that by myself all of the time. It's not all my job. And this trying to stay open to it all and feel it all and respond to it all and make sure that we're, you know, hearing everybody and not hurting everybody's feelings. And it's that place of actually, if I'm working on that place of personal power and getting stronger and feeling my, this is a yes and this is a no. And this is what wants to move in me now. And this is the part of me that wants to say, hey, that's not mine, that's yours. You've actually, I mean, answered a much bigger question than, than, than what I realized I was asking. Exactly. Well said. That was it in a nutshell. Yes. Learning how to say yes to what truly authentically feels like a yes and no to what feels like a no. Beautiful. Okay. So I'm going to ask another how question. <laughs> How, how do we learn? I mean, I've been on this path alongside you for a long, long time and still keep, I'm still learning, still learning, still learning and getting stronger and stronger in that place of even being able to feel what's a yes and feel what's a no. But I meet a lot of people in my practice too, that have no idea where to begin with that. What would you, how how does it come through for you? I'll, I'll uh, be ballsy and start with this one try to stop numbing oneself. And at the same time as taking that leap of incrementally no longer numbing with things that you know you're numbing with, foods, alcohol, unnecessary medications, there's obviously very necessary medications, um, whatever your addictions may be, that if we stop numbing, you can be guaranteed there's gonna be a whole host of unresolved, ugly emotions and behaviors that are gonna surface. And so part B of that is set up a group, a a network of somewhat conscious people, whether it's healers or a therapist or a minister or pastor or friends, it doesn't really matter, but an arena where you can be held accountable to your feelings and that you can source, hopefully source somewhere where you can trust getting your feelings out in the open. It might be a 12 step program, for example, but we have got to start feeling. We have got to start taking responsibility for what is inside of us because if we keep shutting it down and numbing it, numbing, and we're all doing this, this is not, it's not some are perfect and polished and enlightened and others aren't. We're all doing it. It's how we survive the disconnection that's in this world. It's how we survive the ego. But how are we ever going to tackle the ego and confront the ego if it's running the show? And it'll run the show very well when we're shut down and numb to it. 
And that's, we're fundamentally shut down and numb, me included in relationship to this big global issue, because I'm not standing at the edge of an ice cap watching it melt every day when I wake up in the morning. I'm not. It's not in my face. So there's a massive level of denial there. But what can I do in myself? I can keep peeling back the layers of where I'm consciously or unconsciously choosing to escape something. And the reason secondarily that this is really important is because whatever we choose to split from and numb out and push down gets passed over to those next to us. It gets put out into our environment, usually our children who aren't numbing. They haven't quite yet learned to numb, but they will come high school. They'll have it all mastered by the time they get to college. But they, they're subjected to all the work that we're not doing. So yes, this can seem like, well, where the heck do I have the time? You know, I'm so busy surviving that I don't have the time to feel. I say, well, you're going to have to change that. You know, and in a way, we humans set up the Sabbath or Sunday as our break day to get back into um, the realm of connection to God and feeling and something other than the survival bricks that are necessary to be in the physical realm. Well, create your own new church, do whatever you need to do, but make it an arena where you can feel vulnerability and, and love. And that, I, that is what's missing in our societies. Far too much weight is given to the intellect. I had a session with someone recently in Australia whose partner is, who works in a university. And, and she's struggling with the fact that she's on the path, she's on the path of personal growth, doing therapy and various different spiritual modalities and really doing good work to open up feeling. And yet her partner, who is very, very much in the academic realm, laughs at that and judges that and puts it down. And that's, to me, a good reflection of how that mind in all of us feels about that intuitive feeling part of us all, which is also mirrored in putting burkas on our women. So in a way, we have a burqa on feeling in all of us, all of us. And we can't escape it, even those of us who, because what happens in our global society then is you have the pocket of people who are feeling everything for everybody. And that's those of us that usually end up in psychiatric institutions, you know, or we end up in monasteries or ashrams. We're carrying the weight and doing a lot of that work. And then at the far end of the spectrum, you have leaders like our current one, if in the US and many others like him who aren't feeling anything other than what's righteously serves the self and their, their immediate kin and everything in between. And somehow favor is given to that, that end of the spectrum. And that has got to change. So as women start rising up or the metaphysical, metaphorical feminine starts rising inside every one of us, which she is, she is a personification of a whole new level of power and especially cracking open in the female body, but in men and women, there's so many sensitive men in the world that have this feminine, they're suffering just as much as women, you know? And so when that split is being healed, and that's rising and coming to the, the, the foreground, then there's no question that the other is also going to start freaking out. You know, it's going to start freaking out. As within, so without. When my ego's coming to the end of something because I've been doing a lot of good work and it's, it's coming to the end and it's ready to let go, that's when it's at its loudest. So I see collectively that 
we're taking ourselves right to the brink of extinction because just like an alcoholic who, an alcoholic father who is so much more committed to the bottle than he is to his own children and his wife, you know, it'll take almost, it'll take death, death's door, knocking on death's door before waking up and saying, oh my God, I love my kids and I love my family and I'm coming back. That's pretty much where we're at. So can we not wait until, you know, we're right at death's door? Maybe we do need to. Maybe that's what it's going to take. But I feel time to get feeling back into our society and our culture and stop shaming it and stop saying it's for pussies. It's ridiculous. You know, some of the bravest men I've ever met are those who aren't afraid to get down and get real and get vulnerable and cry, you know? Some of the weakest people I've ever met are those who carry an astonishing level of power and are terrified of feeling, you know? Yeah. You know, Jennifer, in my, even though, like, I work really hard at my healing, I can't, I don't turn away from it, but I realize even in my questions to you just now, the how questions, I was looking for some sort of magic bullet. I'm like, yeah, just give me the exercise that I can do 10 minutes a day so that I can keep on doing everything that I need to do in the in the world. That was like, what's the magic bullet? And like what the rest of the world is showing us right now, there is no magic bullet. This is we have hard we have hard work to do. However, there's a force that's being presented right now that I feel and that you've just just shared with me and mirrored back that is making our job a heck of a lot easier. And that's that this feminine that's coming up is coming up through all of us but she's she's taken on life that energy is picking up there's more and more spaces to tap into where it's safe to feel where it's safe to express more and more people like you and me that like for other people to turn to where they need to want to learn how to do that and need the space held and it's it's really um reminding me of something I mentioned to you earlier before we started recording a, a few sessions ago I talked to um, Tim Urington an indigenous knowledge keeper and he spoke of something that really resonated to me as as a language and a way of thinking that that in in their ways of thinking the women are the carriers of the water the the um, the, the emotional um, realm and the men are the carriers of the fire you know or the feminine the carriers of the water the masculine the carriers of the fire the doing in the world you know the physical transmutation of stuff of stuff in the world and you know what it feels like you're talking about now is as w- the the that the water world was kind of scoffed at for a long time as the fire world sort of took over like oh yeah whatever women they just let them off with their tears in the corner you know and 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 so what women had to do was find this place of no i i i want to i can serve in this world i want to serve in this world i want to have equal merit in this world and so i think we all kind of desperately you know picked up a torch and tried to start carrying carrying our own fire in in the world of doing and you know what you're speaking to now is actually let's bring back the water what happened to the water? We need our, we need our, we need our water. That's what the seas are showing us, aren't they? As everything is melting and the water is rising, we can't, we can't turn away from it. Yeah, um, and also transgender. Sorry to interrupt, but our transgen, the growing population of transgender community is also showing us that maybe something's happening with gender as well. Maybe something's happening with the fact that that fire and water is inside all of us, men and women, and there's less of a divide happening between the sexes. You know. So there's something big happening there too. And I see that, I certainly experience it in my own life. I know you do. 
I'm sure we're speaking for countless women the world over, that you know, we're not getting away with just passively being in this world anymore. It's the fire has triggered itself, it has ignited inside. And it can be a burnout, yes, and has been a mega burnout to try to hold that water and pursue that fire, but we have to. We absolutely have to. And yes, there's a stretch, and it'll be a stretch, but it's just a phase. Because how are we ever going to say, stand up in the world and take positions of leadership in that, with our inherent connection to that quote unquote water, emotional aspect? How are we going to do that if we're not? if we're waiting around on those who have, who possess all the fire to lead the way for us, that's still in some way passive at this point in time. So yeah, we're developing that fire just as men or the masculine and men, women and transgender um, and everything in between are learning how to feel. They're learning how to be the water. So in a way, if you strip off the sexes and strip off gender, and just look at it as principles of the universe, as energy forces. You have that feeling intuitive water-based component, and then you have the doing masculine fire-based component. And what I really see is you need one to back up the other, one to back up the other, and not this massive separation and disconnection between the two. So what can I do and what can you do in your lives to develop that wholeness and learning how to sit around male or female men in particular. Yeah. Start getting those emotions out, you know, and whether that's anger, even if it's being really pissed off and angry and women too, get up and do something like taking action and, but creating realms where we can get the real authentic trauma and love out in the open to me this feels complete in regards to what we have you know just where you have come to there the unity the wholeness of it do you have we missed on anything so I'm going to be editing this out have we missed on anything that you would like to share some sort of line that you would you would like to have included let me just think of that for a moment just feeling nice light coming through there's nothing co coherent that, and crystal clear, just a waffle for a second, see if anything does come, but it's really just around the fundamental importance of us making an impact in our societies by giving, paying more homage and giving more allegiance to things like 12-step 12, 12 programs and, you know, circles that take place in church basements and in people's houses where we're getting into feeling more and not to be so afraid of the woo-woo of new age spirituality or you know as um jeff brown who i believe is he canadian is um also coins the new cage movement you know that's that's not allow the very superficial few to inhibit us and distract us away does i, does, I don't care if we're you know, CEOs of companies or, you know, at the top of our, our game in the medical profession or researchers or scientists, let's just get into the realm where we can connect as human beings and be real and share the real stuff that's going on for us. That's opening the door. 
that's opening a very powerful door. And if we can start doing that, we're going to start to feel safe to let more out. And the more we let out, the more love we can feel. And that's really, truly our baseline emotion. That's our, that's our inherent feeling. And if we can feel that, then chances are we'll come up with a damn good solution to, to keep our planet. So I will not be editing that out. <laughs> Thank you, Jennifer. Thank you so, so much for your time and for such a light-filled um, conversation. Yeah. And thank you, Sarah, for the incredible work that you do, the incredible big, gigantic heart that you have and where you're so connected to our earth and what's happening to it. Thank you on behalf of everybody. You've helped me a lot there, Jen. <laughs> You've helped me a lot. Thank you. And thank you, as always, for listening.